0: Welcome to Fear and Greed, the week ahead. We're back this week, as always, with economist Stephen Kukoulos. You'll find him at thekook.com and on Twitter using the handle thekuk, T-H-E-K-O-U-K. Stephen, I have some good news for you. My brother's just returned from living overseas for about 10 years, and of course, I forced him onto Fear and Greed. Do you know his favourite part of the show the whole week? It's no, the I don't. Oh. It's the Kirk. He said, there what's Stephen Kirk really like? Yes, I said, he's a lovely fella. Knows what he's talking about. He goes, "I really like the cook."
1: Well, that's very flattering. So thank him. The uh, the checks in the mail. Oh, exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> talking about you know money coming into people's pockets, wages. Oh, that was an awful segue. I've got to say, but anyway, we'll use it. the uh, The main data out last week. We've got such a big week coming up. I want to get onto that quickly. But before we get there, the wages data last
1: week. It was kind of about as expected. What's it mean for interest rates? Yeah, kind of as expected. We had the wage price index, which rose by 2.3% in annual terms. So broadly as expected, but not showing that pickup that you would like to see, given how tight the labour market seems to be, the anecdotes of skill shortages and the like. The average weekly earnings were also out towards the end of last week. And they showed that, again, a similar thing on a constant hour basis. The annual increase was only around about that two and quarter percent But- there was an interesting sideline in the numbers given that total earnings were up 3.8% in annual terms. Now, A lot of people discount that number because it is impacted by the number of hours that people work and whether people get promotions and these sorts of things. So as a pure measure of labour costs, it's got some flaws as well. But it does appear that firms are wanting their staff to work more hours. They're paying them bonuses and they're giving them promotions to retain them. So the the wages numbers are moderate. There is a slight evidence of a pickup, but the wages bill of many companies is probably going up. So what's it mean for interest rates, all that? Yeah, for for now, I think, and with what's going on in the geopolitical space around the world, and of course, that's a rapidly moving feast, it probably means that the RBA is on hold for the next little while. Uh, The next couple of big things for it will be what happens to the labour market, the unemployment data in a couple of weeks' time, and then the CPI at the end of April, so they're well into the future. But for here and now, they're on hold. They'll be sort of saying that the wages side is still relatively well contained, and they want to see – what happens to you know, the labour market, whether we can get a sub 4% unemployment rate locked in, whether we do see the next wages report, heaven forbid, in three months' time, confirming that there's been any uptick in wage pressures.
0: Okay. Now, we will find out a little bit more about what the Reserve Bank thinks because uh, well, it's a huge week coming up, starting tomorrow, really, in terms of the really big news announcements with the Reserve Bank
1: board meeting. Yeah, no change there, as I was just alluding to. I think we've not seen enough to make it change its view. Now, they might flag a little bit more about their concerns or their attitudes on inflation. I don't think they've changed since they put out the quarterly statement on monetary policy a few weeks ago. But I think that might just sort of flag this issue because the pressures on the Fed to hike, on the Bank of England to hike. You know, last week we saw the RBNZ across the Tasman hiking again and sounding very hawkish. So, a lot of its sort of competitors, if you like, are, are hiking or are about to. And I think that's an important thing that Dr. Lowe has spoken about in the past. What's happening in the global economy is important for us and for them at the RBA. So, I think they'll sort of canvas that view about, well, when do we need to get rid of this 0.1% cash rate? Is it sort of imminent? Well, probably no. Is it likely in the second half of the year? Well, probably yes.
0: So the big data point this week is GDP. Wednesday?
1: Wednesday's GDP. It's for the December quarter. It's going to be a corker, I think. It's going to be a a really strong result. Now, a couple of reasons for that. One is that we had the minus 1.9% GDP in the September quarter, so the previous quarter, as most of the eastern states were locked down when uh, omicron was coming along
0: and jump in there Stephen remember it wasn't that long ago that we we're worried about another technical recession at least because this quarter yeah. sorry the December quarter may actually go backwards after September
1: not a chance I will swim across Sydney Harbor if we have a negative result oh. whoops I said that oh. <laughs> yes. <life>. no it's <laughs> going to be a strong number we know retail sales we know capex numbers we know the net export numbers we've got a fair handle on what's happening and it's likely that we're actually going to see GDP near two and a half percent for the quarter, plus two and a half. (laughs) So given that we know a lot of the building blocks already, it's likely to be just confirming that that dip in the September quarter, and as you quite rightly said, the fear of a sort of another recession is probably passing and passed quite quickly. But nonetheless, it'll be welcome news, I dare say, for the RBA and, and the markets as well, that the economy has bounced back in that fourth quarter of 2021.
0: Now, part of that, of course, is company profits and those types of things, but retail sales for January comes out as well, because that's a period obviously beyond the GDP figures so what do you think they'll show?
1: Look, they're a curious one because that was sort of not lockdowns as such, but there were lots of anecdotes that people were staying at home as the Omicron issue. We couldn't get the rapid antigen tests as as uh, freely as we would like. So there's evidence that people sort of tended to stick at home. However, there's also the counter to that. Lots of people were going on long overdue holidays within Australia. And when you do that, you spend money and you spend it in the retail sector. So I think on balance and from some of the card data that the big banks produce, um, January looks as if it could be an increase of around about 1% in the month, which is not a bad result. And again, continuing that momentum for decent economic growth as 2022 kicks off.
0: There's a few data points around the housing sector, housing finance, building approvals this week.
1: Yes, and again, building approvals probably down. This is sort of the hangover of the bring forward of construction and approvals into twenty twenty-one from some of the stimulus measures from the federal government and the state governments a year or so ago when the economy was in much more fragile nature. So building approvals probably trending down, still at a decent level. So we're still building quite a lot of houses out there and apartments, but nonetheless, we sort of had a bit, bit of a front loading of those into 2021. So probably down three or four percent. Housing finance, on the other hand, probably up. Yes, we, we do know that yep. uh, house prices are strong. People are borrowing. First home buyers probably just edging back a little bit from some of the price shock. Yeah, houses are expensive. Uh, and investors are coming back. So we're probably going to see that split being talked about uh, later this week that you know, investor demand is still pretty strong and first home buyers are potentially being squeezed out again.
0: Uh, just a quick one, international trade, and I bring this one up because last week Rio announced its biggest ever in fact, the largest corporate profit in Australian dollars ever and the biggest ever dividend paid out. Now, of course, that was for the six months to December and that's when iron ore prices were high and they were doing so well. What's happened in that sector, though, more recently?
1: Yeah look it's been choppy the iron ore price which did come off a little bit towards the end of last year has been, reason- been reasonably it's been very resilient you know we're trading in that 125 to 135 US dollars a ton it did dip below $100 a ton at the end of last year so it's rebounded quite nicely so given that that's a dominant part of our export market of course those trade numbers should be at yet another decent surplus of the order of seven to eight billion dollars for the month. We probably do have a bit of import uh, strength coming through too. This domestic economy, with uh, a focus on a lot of machinery and equipment imports, because business investment's looking a little bit better. We're trying to buy cars. The shortage of them, of course, because of all these supply chain problems. But there's probably going to be a bit of a bit of a rebound in import levels. So therefore, that might just take some of the gloss off the what's probably going to be another strong month for exports. So, bottom line another, you know, super international trade surplus of, yeah, seven, eight, nine billion dollars, a big one.
0: Busy week, Stephen. Enjoy it.
1: I will. I'm looking forward. To it. I'll get my head down and uh, I'll get typing on my computer. Have no fear.
0: <laughs> that was economist Stephen Kukulis, better known as The Kook. You can find him at cook.com and follow him on Twitter using the handle The I'm Sean Aylmer and this is Fear and Greed, The Week Ahead.